Okay, we're back to podcast, and I hope everyone has had a uh, good week. It's been mighty cold. Uh, it's been a busy week for us. We have been putting on uh, roofs and trying to get last-minute uh, roofs in before Christmas and before the weather turns even worse. Um, but I appreciate your prayers, your faithfulness. I appreciate the goodness of God. Uh, we've been having really good services and appreciate uh, what God is doing. And I, I thank Him for loving us and saving us. Being so good. Go to James chapter 2 tonight. Don't forget the Christmas Day services. I seen somewhere that the next time that Christmas will fall on a Sunday will be 11 years from now. Think about 11 years. So <clears throat> we get to worship God um, on Christmas on the Lord's Day. And so uh, we'll thank God for that. We will have uh, the Lord's Supper. We will have several songs. We've got some special singing for you uh, that you'll you'll hear and see on Sunday morning. And then a uh, message, just a little Christmas thought. Um, I know everyone has, has places to get to. I do as well. Uh, but we are going to meet to worship. And uh, after that, we will... Uh, We'll dismiss, you know, as, as timely as we can and uh, let you, you get to your Christmas functions and uh, and get-togethers for those of you that will be there. All right, James chapter number two. I sure hope you've enjoyed the book of James. Also, don't forget the, the next in-person Bible study will be on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, January the fourth. It'll be the four. It'll be the first uh, Wednesday in the new year. So <clears throat> remember that. All right, James chapter two. I hope you all have enjoyed James. In this, James is dealing with uh, showing favoritism in the church based on money. <laughs> oh boy. What an indictment on the modern-day church. Um, I've never even thought about looking at things like that, but it has become clear to me uh, in these last days that churches do that. They, they do tend to favor um, people that attend those churches sometimes based on money. I've seen it. I've seen that with my own eyes. I've seen it in recent years. And uh, it's a shame and it's a disgrace before God. The person that is on minimum wage and barely getting by has just as much standing in the body of Christ as a millionaire. And if, if a millionaire is even saved or if the, 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 uh, the other person's saved. If they're both saved, there's equal standing in the body of Christ. And that person just getting by should not be looked at as a second class church member or citizen within the church. And a lot of folks will answer to God for uh, behaving 
in manners that are uh, that are contrary to that. James chapter number two. That's what he's dealing with. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So he's talking about showing um, partiality to people. For if there come unto your assembly, so that's it. That's what we do. That's what the term church is uh, defined as. Is is an ecclesia, and it's it's defined as an assembly. Uh, for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him. Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? So, James is kind of lowering the boom right here. Um, in this text, the assembly, of course, was the synagogue. And... Um, the, the the Christian place of worship at this time still called by the Jewish word. It's later discarded in favor of the word church. Um, and in the Jewish synagogue, people often sat according to rank. And uh, Christian churches originally took this shape from the Jewish synagogue. And so the communion table taking the place of the, the ark at the east end and uh, in any place where two or more gather for worship might be termed an assembly. <clears throat> and so the Bible is very clear that within an assembly of people, okay, so that would be two or more, if any are, then the one who is is more well-off financially and and dressed better should not receive any kind of partiality, favoritism, or precedence over the those that aren't uh, so well um, blessed financially. Okay, all right. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith? This reminds me of the rich man in hell. Um, there, the Bible teaches about a, uh, a rich man in hell in Luke chapter 16. It's it's a salvation message that I've preached for many years now called Confessions from Hell. And in that, you've got Lazarus who, uh, didn't have a lot, didn't fare well while he was on earth. And then the Bible said that there was a rich man, um, and... The Word of God tells us that the rich man was in hell. He lifted up his eyes and he uh, wanted a dip of water. He wanted Lazarus to just send send water to him in hell. And uh, the indication here is that Lazarus didn't have much while on earth, but he had God. And the rich man had many things of the world and of the earth, but he didn't know God. And so it's pretty plain pretty cut and dry, pretty simple, uh, that this is the same analogy and the same teaching here. And so, verse number five, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? 
But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment, uh, before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? And we, we see that oftentimes. We'll see not every time. And again, it's not a sin to have money. It's not. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So there's no sin in having money. By no means, it takes money to survive. It takes money to have, a, you know, to to uh, send missions out. It takes money to do to do the work of God. So it's not a sin to have money in and of itself. The sin um, is, of course, uh, being consumed with it. It being one's God, but even more so in this context. The Bible is teaching us that it's, it's, it, and it's, again, it's not always the case, but obviously in this text and in this context, it is the rich that uh, doesn't know God and doesn't have a spiritual walk and they're not a very spiritual person, if they're saved at all, and it's the poor in this, in this context uh, that's got faith and serves and loves God. Again, I want to reiterate, that is not standard. That is not across the board. But it, it does occur. And it, it does sometimes seem to be... Um, it does seem to be kind of the majority of situations. Rich people, very wealthy people... Uh, tend to not think that <clears throat> they need God. They've got what they need. They've got what they want. So God is not necessarily um, what they need. All right? So that's what's going on in this church. They are treating the poor uh, poorly and treating the rich much better. So let's go on and read together. Verse 6, But ye have despised the poor, do not the rich oppress men or oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called. Verse 8, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself ye do well. Let's think about that. Okay? Let's think about that. Loving thy neighbor as thyself. Now think about how we treat ourselves. Even if we falsely in in humility say we don't think highly of ourselves or or what have you, we're we're still pretty good to ourselves. We we feed ourselves, we clothe ourselves, we buy for ourselves, we defend ourselves, we consider ourselves um, we think ourselves to be right we we stand up for ourselves that's just how we are that, that, that we do that as as a result of loving ourselves we, we must agree with that well the scripture says that we are to love thy neighbor as thyself 
So just as you, if your neighbor's got a need of food, your neighbor's got a need of clothing, your neighbor is in need is in need of defense of their character. If you've been lied on, you would seek to defend your character. Well, just the same, if your neighbor's lied on or gossiped about, you should be quick to defend their character if it's defensible. You should be quick to... What about this? You give yourself grace. Okay? You give yourself grace and you give yourself a pass, then you're to love your neighbor as yourself. You're to give them grace and give them a pass. You see how far removed from being Christ-like we really are. My whole life I've heard that Christ-like was the way you you live, what you give up, and what you started doing, and all this stuff. But being Christ-like, it would be an example of that would be defending someone's honor rather than vilifying their character rather than gossiping about them, okay? Rather than seeking to hurt them in some way. Loving thy neighbor as thyself. Okay, keep on. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So... If you live so good and so clean and you don't do the bad things per se, but you hate your brother, but you, you got alt against your brother, but you gossip against your sister, can I tell you, you're guilty of all of it. You're guilty of adultery, guilty of murder. That's, let's look, it's what it says, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, alt said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For we shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. All right, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? All right. Now, what are the works to which we speak of? Well, we just defined them. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. It's being Christ-like. It's forgiving one another. It is showing grace to one another. It is not showing person partiality to your friends or to the well-off over the poor. Okay? Those are the works of Christ. Now, one may say that they are saved. That is a mouth profession. That is a profession of faith with their mouths. However, if their works do not back up their faith or what they say their faith is, then this Bible is pretty clear in teaching and demonstrating that they're not really one of God's. Okay?
So look at what it says. What prop what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man may say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? So this is not teaching a work salvation. This is teaching the fact that when you get saved, that there will be proof of your salvation through good work, through faith, through living like Christ, through loving your neighbor, through loving your brother, through loving your sister, through living like Jesus. When you get saved, there will be proof. So remember... When John the Baptist, when John the Baptist had people come to him wanting to be baptized, do you remember what he said? He said, he he told them to bring fruit, meat for repentance. In other words, fruit that was necessary for repentance. Alright? He would not baptize them unless they demonstrated fruit. Why? Because he didn't want to be associated with baptizing someone that wasn't really saved because it's not baptism, it's not the water, it's not a baptismal ceremony that saves per people. It is it is faith in in God through the Lord Jesus Christ that Christ produces saving faith. Okay? So that being the case we find here that faith without works is dead. I preach a message called Dead Faith. All right. Now let's just stay with me. All right. Let's go. We're still in James chapter number two. James chapter two. And let's look here. James chapter two and verse number 15. James 2 and 15. If a brother or sister be naked, destitute of daily food. So that means they don't have clothing. They don't have, they don't have shelter. They don't have food. Okay, if they be that way, do you see that? Now look with me. James chapter number 2. And verse, I'm trying, excuse me, I'm getting back to my, my spot here. James chapter number 2 and verse number, verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, I, I, I apologize, I'm in verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not, have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food... And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So somebody comes your way, and you tell them, God bless you, I hope you get what you need, but you don't do what you can to provide what they need, then that's a problem. That's a problem. That's what the Bible says. Now, we had an opportunity this week through these children we had an opportunity this week through uh, those that needed a a Christmas offering, some Christmas blessings, and it was somebody in a great need that God allowed to uh, pass the cross with, and, and, and it, that doesn't just have to be that. It could be anyone that your path crosses with, 
But what it boils down to is it does no good to tell someone you'll pray for them or you hope things get better for them if you're not willing to be a blessing and help them in regards to providing that for them. Now, this is not welfare. This is not providing for people that don't work. The Bible says if a man wouldn't work, neither neither should he eat. That's not what this is referring to. This is a legitimate need that cannot be provided for. Okay? Verse 7, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So, people can say they are saved all day long. They can say they've been baptized. They can say they have a profession of faith. They can say they're a child of God. They can say whatever. But if there are not works in their lives that demonstrate the fruit of Christ, not of a Christian. You see, that's the whole thing with the hypocrite. People talk about a hypocrite. I don't want to go to church because them hypocrites. Preachers ain't nothing but hypocrites. Hypocrites this, hypocrites that. Well, here's the problem with that way of thinking. The hypocrite or the person at the church or even a preacher is not the standard The standard is Christ. So when we have faith, the faith of Christ, we take on the works of Christ. We take on the mind of Christ, like I preached about Sunday. We take on Christ. This is so plain. It's so simple. All right? It said it's dead. If all you have is faith but no works, the faith is dead. It's not alive, it's not true, and it's not real. Verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee (coughs) my faith by my works. So, that's beautiful. For anybody that has ever tried to say that James is teaching contrary to Paul here or contrary to Christ, there's a group out there that says that. There are groups of people that says that James is teaching a works salvation. For anyone to believe that, then they do not understand this verse. They don't understand the Bible in general, but they they miss this verse entirely. Watch what he says. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Okay? You see that much right there? Thou hast faith, and thou have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So, show me your faith that comes without working. But when I have faith, I'll demonstrate my faith to you by working. Isn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. That is so profound. Man could not possibly write this Bible. Man could not make this up. Man could not possibly fathom this. Look at the wisdom in that teaching. A man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. 
So we get saved through faith, by grace, not of works of righteousness, lest any man should boast. Faith without works has salvation. <clears throat> but to answer that, Paul says, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So he says, I'm not saved by works. I am saved by faith through grace, not of works. However, you will know that I do have faith by the works that I do. Man, that is so profound. Verse 18, James chapter 2. You need to take note of that verse in your Bible. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Oh, boy. Let's talk about that verse. Let's talk about that verse. I've taught you a lot here lately that belief in God and even belief in Jesus Christ is not salvation. It's a belief on Jesus Christ, putting his, putting your faith in his saving capabilities. Do you see that? Just a head knowledge of belief is not enough. Let me repeat that. Just a head knowledge of belief is not enough. How do you know? Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. Wonderful that you believe that. But the devils also believe, and they don't just believe, they tremble. So the devils believe there's one God. The devil, devils believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The devils, them, but they're not saved. There's plenty of people that believe in God, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and they're still on their way to hell today. Why? They have not put saving faith in the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they've not put faith in that and faith on that, based on that, there's no works to demonstrate their faith. Profound, isn't it? But, verse 20, but wilt thou know, O vain man, you know what vain means? It means empty. O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. I don't want to hear you're saved and you don't have any desire to live for God. I don't want to hear you're saved and you don't have any desire to, to worship God, to learn of God, to fellowship with God, to know godly desires. Do you see the Bible? You're not, no godly desires. You have no use for the church, no use for the Bible, no use for the people of God. Friend, you're not saved. That Bible says right there, it's as clear as, as, this, as the sun is in the sky. Faith without works is dead. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? So he wasn't saved by works. He was justified. In other words, it's demonstrative. It is representative of the fact that he does have faith and he is saved based on the work that he did in obeying God and being willing to sacrifice Isaac. That's what that's teaching. Okay, 
verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So he was justified by his works, but he was saved, according to verse 23, because he believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And in the imputation is God taking his righteousness and putting it on Abraham. That's what, that's what imputed means. So God's righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, was given to Abraham. That's how he was saved. He was not saved because he took Isaac to the top of the mountain, but we know he was saved because he was willing to take Isaac to the top of the mountain. Man, that's good. Verse number uh, verse number 24, you see then how, and by the way, look, he was called the friend of God. A friend. If a person's a friend, you communicate with them, you listen to them, you respond to them, you help them, they help you. There's a real relationship. So that's what the scripture's teaching here concerning the friend of God. If you're saved, you will be a friend of God. There will be a relationship with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Okay. Let's keep reading. Only got one or two verses left. <coughs> Verse number, or actually three. You see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. So it's not the faith that's saved, it's the faith that demonstrates that he is saved. Likewise also was not a Rahab the harlot justified by works. She showed she was saved by her works. She wasn't saved because of her works, but it demonstrated that she was. When she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. All right, let me summarize this. Chapter 3 the next time, but let me summarize chapter 2. Here's what it is. We are not saved by works. But when we get saved, our works will be present. It, there will, it will be apparent in some way, shape, or form, that you know God. Even Lot, even Lot demonstrated some spirituality. There's at least some element of being a friend of God, a relationship with God, walking with God. Even Lot. So folks, this day of easy believism, this day of repeating a prayer, this day of, you know, Dear God, we've come so far. We're a pagan country today. I mean, really, you don't even see easy believism much anymore. Right now, it's just whatever. It's just whatever. Let's just try my faith. You know, let's just try faith for a little while. That seems to be the hot button. Let me try this for a little while. Well, folks, this that, that stuff's not Bible salvation. <clears throat> Bible salvation is... You get born again, and when you get born again, you take on the nature of Christ through the Spirit and the Word of God. You begin to grow in grace, and you begin to grow up in Christ and demonstrate the attributes of Christ. Just like in the physical realm, you demonstrate the attributes and you favor your parents. You get saved. You'll demonstrate the attributes of God. And if that's not present... The person is not saved. That's James chapter 2. I hope you've enjoyed this. Next time, we'll jump into James chapter 3. We'll get all of that next time as well. 
on uh, Sunday night, Christmas night. And I hope you'll enjoy that. Good night. God bless. I love you all.